another man with an optimistic outlook on life and certainly uh, has a lot of buzz and energy is Sean Adams of Adams of Glynn. Many of you will uh, know uh, that uh, car dealership very well indeed, uh, either as customers or because you have uh, passed through Glynn uh, on many an occasion. And I'm delighted to say that Sean is with me in the studio now. Good morning to you, Sean. How are you? Morning, Joe. And a happy new year to you. Happy new year to you too. And thanks for inviting me. Uh, Now, Sean, you came into the world in uh, 1932, but your family, even before that, had a long-standing association with Glynn in County Limerick. Tell me more. That's correct, Joe. Um, my father and grandfather were blacksmiths. So we came from the horses into the cars in the, in the, in the very, very early days. Now, it, that in itself was an amazing mm, trade, wasn't it? It was. You know, yeah. And one that, to some degree, has um, died, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you have still in Adams uh, an example uh, of the blacksmith's trade, don't you? On do. the grounds. Tell I me do. about that. I do. I have the, the, the stone where, where the old wheels were, 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 were banded by, the, by, by my father and, and his brother, Jack Adams. And I was part of that in the early days. We'd, we'd, we'd have to light the fire and, and heat the bands and shrink them onto the, the timber wheel, which was made by the local... The, 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 the local people uptown, where we had uh, we we had people that made horse traps, and we had people that made common cars for the farming community, and those those bands were shrunk onto the timber wheel by the blacksmiths. That was part of our job. Isn't it amazing to reflect that a lot of the people listening this morning would never have seen that, nor even understand it? Well, the stone is in front of our garage. Um, I should put a plaque in it by right. I do have the anv- the anvil in the workshop that was used by my father and and his brother Jack Adams. I still have those. What was it like growing up in Glen? Glen was a, a great village, Joe. Uh, it was a very lively village. I'd say most houses were a business. The, to give you an idea, we had five tailors. We had three blacksmiths, we had two bakeries, two chemist shops, three draper shops, a creamery where butter and cheese was made daily. We had St. Joseph's Industrial School where 200 boys were, were, were housed. We had Lincastle, we had a post-primary school which was owned by my uncle James Dore. We had a Garda barracks. It was very famous for salmon fishing in, in, in the early days. Well, it sounds like it was a really thriving community. That would have been in the 30s into the 40s. It would have been, yeah. And what was your life like as a young fellow? Was it carefree? Did you get involved in the business early on? We had to. At that time, everybody worked. You know, there was a job for everybody. And, and our place was a very busy place because we, not, not just... You know, we didn't, besides the forge and the garage, we ran a, a postal service from, from Limerick to, to, um, to uh, North Curry and finished in Atea. That happened, we, we used to last six days a week. At that time, the postal delivery was six days a week, so you work Saturdays. 
Glenis such a small village that, that I suppose the word, the word spread that Sean Adams was driving up to collect stuff from his mother every day of the week and, and bring it down to where we had we had pigs and we had cows and chickens and you know Were so, you a good driver as a young fella? I it was easy to drive then, Joe, because there were so little cars on the road. There were very few cars on the road and, and, and it was you know, it was I, I would. Now, people think uh, that they work hard these days, but at one stage in your youth, you mentioned the postal run. Mm. And what time in the morning were you up and about for that? Well, this is when I came back to Glen after serving my time at National Garage in Newcastle West. I had to come back home because one of our drivers died and I had to drive the mail van. Now, that's... This was just every second week. I didn't do it every week, but every second week I would uh, I would start loading the van in Limerick at 6 o'clock in the morning. I would be leaving the post office with the mails and my first stop would be Mungret College. After that, the, the, um, the hospital the hospital came in. The hospital wasn't there when I started. It was built all right. Then I had to go to the hospital, Mungret, Carina, to Askeaton, back through Glen into Tarbert, um, my van, Bally Longford, and finishing that here. I would come down then if if I was needed and open the oil garage where there was no electricity and work at possibly our own cars or vans to try and keep them going. But um, I'd be back in Limerick again at 7.30 that evening. So that was a very long day. Did it feel like hard work at the time? No. I I, I was looking back on my life recently and and uh, I can't ever remember thinking that I worked hard. It's only hard looking back at it. But, you know, um, when I did it, when I did it, I, I, was, I enjoyed every minute of it and it was important because I was making money. And, uh, you know, it was, great. It was did, great. Did the family have a bus service? We did. Uh, in the thirties, in the thirties, my father and his brother Jack Adams ran the bus service from Tarbert to Limerick every day of the week. And at weekends, then we would be we would use the bus for maybe football matches or or, or any tour that would the bus would be needed. Maybe in the summertime, trip to Ballybonnet with with uh, local people, and uh, that we did that up to the the war. When the war came, then the bus was removed and um, the government took over. But Were times tough during the war or the emergency, as it was known here? We ran the postal service all during the war. And, and at that time, at that time, petrol was scarce. So we had to use a gas. We had to produce our own gas. So when you had the van, you had to take the anthracite or the coal in the van to keep the, to keep the boiler going to produce the gas. So you just needed the petrol to start the car. Once you started it and switched over to the gas, it it took over from the heat. How safe was that? Run by gas? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, looking back, looking at it now, you know, it, it at the time it was great. At the time we, we were able to keep the vans running. Was there rationing during the emergency? There was, yeah. Rushing all during the war and after the war for a long time. So times were tough for people. Absolutely, but the, 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 it didn't look like it at the time. No, it was. It was a tense to get on with it. Those were great times. Yeah. 
Did you run another bus service for schools? I did. When, when, when Donald O'Malley got the good to him, when he started the free bus service for, for schools, we operated for CIE. We had three buses. We had three buses based in Glen. I drove one. My brother Michael drove the other. And one of my workers, Eddie Buckley, now living in, in, in um, Abbey Field, he drove the third. And we did, we did that in the morning before we started work. We would bring the, the children into the post-primary school, which was in the village, and then we would do the primary school in both Ballygoughlin, there was a school in Ballygoughlin, and Ballygiltonen, and, and Lynn. We'd, we'd do that for the primary school after the secondary school. And again, that would have put you at the heart of the community. Were you somebody that was always thinking about expanding the business, the next idea? Always. Always. When, when I could afford it. When I could afford it, the... Um, when, when I built... My, my father and, and uncle had the garage where I started working. There was no electricity... There was no electricity in the place, but we were still able to survive because we, 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 we pumped the petrol by hand. We p- fixed the punctures and, and in both cars and, and trucks. Because and the original site was very small. I mean, we see the huge dealership that's there today. It was. It, but it, it, it you was. grew it over many years. Well, we built, a, we, we, we built a new place, the first of the new buildings. in. I started in fifty nine. We finished it in 1960. And it was a building 60 by 30 with underground petrol tanks for maybe about, I think, maybe about 2,000 gallons. It was all petrol at the time. There was no such thing as diesel, which you had, you had two grades of petrol. And we had just two pumps, for one for each grade. And we opened that in the 1960s. I know exactly what it cost, Joe, because it cost £1,760 to build that building. I had a thousand pounds and I had to borrow the seven hundred and sixty. At that time you could borrow money from the petrol company and they, they they got it back by deducting maybe one or two pence a gallon from the petrol which you bought from them. So I was able to pay it back that way and, and, and that was great. So uh, Sean, tell me a bit about uh, meeting your wife Marie and, and your family. Well I have yeah, Marie's my wife. She's a retired school teacher. My eldest son Shane or, or Michael. He 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 works for uh, an, an electrical company, and he's now based in Zurich in Switzerland, with his wife and two children. My second eldest son Des. He's in our business in Tralee, where we moved to in '99. And Shane, my younger son, is running our place at home in Glen. Where we where we sell Peugeots and Mitsubishi's. How did you and Marie come across each other? Uh, from dances, really. In the in the in the in the early days, I had a, I had we had hectic cars all during my life in uh, as a driver. We we've had hectic cars, and I was going to a lot of dances, even though the the day would be long, the working day would be long. But you would still go to dances that, that would finish maybe at three three half three in the morning. And it was through that we 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 all seemed to be going to a couple of dances every week, and and that was it was from that. Have you been a great support to each other over? over oh, those absolutely, years? absolutely. In the early days, Marie did a, a lot of my book, 
my 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 book work when we were when we were starting out in life she did the books and and uh you know we, it could go on up to maybe midnight or later until the job was done how long are you married we married uh, 47 years really heading towards the yeah. the 50th how then did you get into selling cars and what kinds of cars did you sell in the early days in the early days you sold everything mostly mostly fords i came from a ford garage where i i did some of my training but you'd sell morris miners and and then along came the volkswagen and the volkswagen was a big seller because it was a great car for farmers and and in the early days uh, i sold cars to people that couldn't drive and um, th- that created a problem in 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 a way but we we were able to overcome it quite easily because if you sold a car to somebody that couldn't drive the first thing you did was to get a driving license which is strange like looking back in it from today's standards you know you had to get a driving license before you could drive so i don't know the people with driving licenses that they couldn't drive but then to learn to drive then you had to get a car so we we you know you sold him a car and the bargain was you had a little bit of profit on the car that you would teach him to drive so I say most Sundays I spent. You got a mass first. Mass was very important, but after mass I would have maybe, maybe two or three, maybe more people to give driving lessons to. And I would do that, and that's that's that how, that's how it all started. And other um, car types that you got involved in. Um, everything. Everything I I I sold. I used to buy Morris Miners from Whites here in Limerick City. I'd buy Hillmans Hillmans from Gleasons where they lived. They 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 were in Ellen Street. Uh, we we sold a few trucks. I get the trucks from from the Hillmans in Castle Island. But uh, there was a lot of truck business. The the a lot the hard work was in trucks really, and we had a contact with uh, CIE. Yeah, the truck business. Uh, they used to deliver lime for the to to the farmers through Airboard. It was it wasn't called Airboard then. It was called Southern Chemicals then, and they, we they used to deliver lime to the farmers from Southern Chemicals, and we had the contract of repairing the trucks and keeping them going. And, and laterally, Renault and Peugeot were big brands. We I suppose we started with Renault and Peugeot in nineteen sixty eight, both of them in nineteen sixty eight. and it was from then on our business grew we had to expand the premises to 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 cope with with the demand for the service and things like that and then um we 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 got a contract in from the post office the post office had a lot of renovations so we had to open on a saturday to cope with the servicing of the vans when when Air, Air, telecom they, they weren't called telecom then i think it was just the post and telegraphs but the vans the, the vans were owned by the post office both for for delivery for for delivery of the post the, the postal service and the the, the 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 telephone service so they had a lot of vans on the road how many people did adams of glen employ at, at the height of the market we had 35 in the mid 80s 
35 and uh, you know at that time there was a lot of um, there, there was a lot of trouble with motor cars insofar as you know you had uh, things that you wouldn't even think about at the moment you had such a thing as, as grinding in valves which would take maybe a day you had to line brakes you had to fit clutches you had to fit springs in cars but you don't have any of that now so at that time cars gave quite a bit of trouble now, considering the location of Adams of Glynn, how have you managed to be as successful as you've been? It, has it been about developing relationships with customers in the long term? I, I was I was asked once before, you know, you know, what I would attribute my success to, and the first thing that would come to mind would be the honesty of the staff that worked for me. Because when I had no such thing as control, you know, they were loyal to me. They didn't put their hands in my pocket. If they did, I wouldn't be where I am today. And it's, that would be the number one. It would be the, the honesty of the staff that worked for me. And some of those, some of those are with me today and they have been with me for the last 40 years. Were you a good judge of character yourself? I must have been. I must have been, but it, it's it's the staff is it's the staff that really makes my business. It's the staff and the way they communicate with with our customers. The, that is most important. The car business today, the struggles that some dealerships are having, the fact that we saw huge sales for a period, and we're probably seeing fewer sales than the average should be now. Yeah. What are your reflections on that? Well. The well, I, I speak about myself, our own business. We certainly will will survive the crisis. It's uh, it's it's not easy. It's not easy. But with the staff that we have and the way we operate our business, we certainly will survive, and we will look after our customers. For you know, we we certainly will give our customers one hundred percent of 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 our time, if they need it, if they need it, and and. Uh, you know, it's not going to be easy, not going to be easy, but I can guarantee, I can guarantee my customers that we will always be there to look after them. Was it your impression that uh, at one point during the boom, there were just too many dealerships that we weren't able to sustain them once we returned to something like normality or indeed worse than normality? There was too many of everything, Joe. There was, there was too many, too many hotels, too many pubs too many garages, you know, uh, you know, everybody seemed to be selling cars and, and they started up everywhere and, and uh, that's, that's, that has all changed now and, and it's, the, it's the ones that invested the money in their own business rather than investing it in, in, in properties and things like that. Those are the ones that will survive. Was it difficult for some car dealerships to resist the pressure from the car companies, you know, expand, buy land, build um, a bigger showroom to display my cars? Of course it was. It certainly was. And, and, and uh, you know, we, we opened two places since the, uh, since the 90s and, and we, opened, we moved to Tralee with Renault in 99 and that has been a great success. We're no longer Renault Centrally. We're now Hyundai and Mitsubishi, or Hyundai and Mazda, and we're uh, Peugeot Mitsubishi at home. And, uh, you know, it, it has been a great success, and I suppose I would consider myself very lucky, 
very lucky to have the people and the staff that moved to Tralee on our behalf to make, such, to make such a success of it. What was the toughest moment of your business career and how did you come through it? I can't think of any, really. Um, I, I, just, I just can't think of any. And uh, it was always, it, it, you know, it was always downhill as far as I'm concerned. You know, the, I suppose I was lucky. I, I, you know, to say such a thing, I, I must have been very lucky down through the years to, 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 to make su- such a success of it. But, uh, you know, I certainly would have to thank my, my, my staff and, of course, my customers. The customers have been very loyal to us. And, and I, I take great satisfaction, Joe, out of selling cars to children of my customers. Presently, we are selling cars to grandchildren of some of our customers. And I think that's the way you build up a business provided that you look after your customers. Are you glad that two of your own sons are involved in the business, Des and Shane? I think that's very important. Very important. And, 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 and uh, you know, they'll make a great job of it. And, and, and you know, they have a great life in front of them. And, and, and uh, hopefully, hopefully they'll, they'll enjoy it as much as I have done so. Has Glynn changed a lot, the village itself? It has. It has the 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 one thing, Joe, that 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 I get annoyed about. When I was a young fellow growing up, we had a sergeant and three guards in Lynn. And the guards lived locally, and they liked living locally. Their children played football against us, and they were great. The guards were never considered bloins; they were locals. The sergeant lived in the guards' barrack where he was his family. And what do we know? We're the same guards' barrack where the sergeant reared his family and the machine you're talking to. I don't understand, you know, the progress, why that's called progress. To me, you know, you could say the same for Skeeton, you could say the same for Shandagolden, you could say the same for Talbot. They all had a sergeant and guards that lived locally, and we had a great country. But my God, no. But uh, that's only one of the things. We don't have a creamery. We don't have a bank. We, you know, we have a post office. We have a chemist shop. We have a filling station. We have a hardware shop. Lynn is still a great village. You know, I always tell people, you can double park or triple park in Lynn and you're not in anyone's way. Yes, you have the space. Yeah. And finally, I know you enjoy um, the spot of golf and, uh, you know, your grandchildren, etc., etc., but finally, reflecting on, on your life and career, how would you sum it up, Sean? Um, God. It's hard for me to give an answer to that now, but uh, I suppose, Joe, even in the bad times, I enjoyed what I did. And, you, you know, I suppose... You know, Marie and I, are, we've, we have a great life together and, and our children are, are loyal to us and all that. And, and uh, I suppose, you know, we're lucky enough, we're lucky enough to, to, to be able to afford the things that we enjoy, like playing a bit of golf, going on holidays now and again. And, and, and uh, you know, Glen is a great place to live. It is, it, it is a great village and always will be. There's some great businesses there and we're lucky to be living in a place like Glen. Well, Sean, a pleasure to talk to you. You're looking well on it and many more years of success for you and, and for the business and, and the family.
Thanks very much, Joe. Thank you for joining us.